This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for episode 365 of this podcast, two beautiful men trapped in the basement of Twitch.tv forced to record a podcast with their gremlin captor, Brian Murray. Hello. And Danny. Hey, everyone. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm so excited to be here to talk about comic books with the both of you and to be live on Twitch.tv. I'm sorry we're not on YouTube for you YouTube heads. We are on Twitch.tv live for this episode where you can see our beautiful faces. You can see my freshly shaved, stubbly face with the beautiful mustache, Brian's wonderful IRCB hat, and Danny's amazing Henry Cavill poster behind him and Spider-Man Deadpool. Danny's got a full-blown comic book nerd set up over there. I'm, I'm always impressed by But we're here to talk about comics. Uh, I don't have any announcements for this week's show because we don't really have much other than this episode right now happening. So let's just jump into the two legally mandated questions that we have for every single episode. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Danny. Uh, Mike, I've been, uh, it's been, uh, it's been quite a few days. Like it's been an interesting time. Uh, yeah, but, uh, it did, it did allow me to realize a few things. And one of those is that comics is always there for you. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so comics is a constant in my life. I think also I'm really happy. You guys did a great job on the Nuff said episode. Like <laughs> I was so, I was so looking forward to talking about that. And then I wasn't able to be on that episode, but yeah, Polly was a clutch clutch replacement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was so so fun to listen to afterwards now as far as comics as i said i've had plenty of time to read a bunch of stuff and i think i really picked some of the best stuff that i've read in a little while uh, i will say the the first comic i'm going to talk about is it's lonely at the center of the earth spelled the cool british way uh by image <laughs> Wait, comics which, which word was at, spelled at the, the cool british way danny <laughs> all of them <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, but specifically center is different right uh, right the way the way spell in america uh i do have a content warning for some self-harm and suicide uh for this book so in this book uh by zoe thurgood uh she records six months of her own life as it falls apart in a desperate attempt to put it back together again and the only way she knows how it's lonely at the center of the earth it's an intimate meta-narrative that looks into the life of a selfish artist who must create her own survival. Now, this is all from the publisher. I am not mm-hmm, calling mm-hmm. the creator selfish. Just, um, you know, call her by her name, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, man, oh, man, I was not ready for this book. Um, it is very good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's it's a deep personal journey that it almost feels intrusive. Like, when I was reading it, I was like, should I even, like, I know it's a book that it's being published, but like, should I even be reading this? Like, I feel like I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was definitely, that part was in, interesting, but uncomfortable too. Uh, sure. But, you know, I wanted to read it. Uh, I don't really read books like this, but Zoe Thurgood is such a like talented creator. Uh, go check out Rain and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I just really wanted to check it out. Uh, and, you know, Image has been doing some really interesting stuff that's very creator focused as well. Uh, like just maybe one creator per book or something like that. I'm glad mm-hmm. it was uh, published as it's standalone. Obviously, this this really would not have been like it wouldn't have worked serialized. It, that wouldn't make sense. Right. Uh, I don't even I mean, think like, the creator would have wanted it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it also delivers a, a great use of the medium, like just kind of pushing some of the boundaries of sequential art, breaking the fourth wall, uh, using mixed media. You even get like an actual like picture of the author. Uh, throughout oh. the book but it's all part of the narrative sure. um and yeah it's it's a really you know 
it, it's kind of depressing sometimes because obviously he's dealing with a lot of like heavy themes. Uh, mm-hmm, this is all mm-hmm. like a, a year into COVID when all this happens too. So gotcha. the creator's dealing with a lot of that stuff and, you know, get trying to get back to conventions. And is that even something that she wants to do? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Interacting with fans, like all that stuff is really interesting too, because I think whenever we as comic fans approach creators, for the most part, I believe that we have good intentions and we just want to sure. you know, praise their work. Uh, but sometimes, you know, not everybody has the social skills to, to like communicate that successfully, uh, or even creators may not have, you know, that's me. And things can get <laughs> awkward and stuff. You're right. So, um, I highly, highly recommend this book. It is beautiful. And like I said, you just get one book and it's all done. Uh, so yeah. yeah, this was, this was really fun and, you know, highly recommend it. Gotcha. Yeah, I've I've got that sitting on my shelf, and I've been meaning to read it for a minute. So um, I think I have no excuse. CK in the chat with us said they they read that as well. So I mean, no excuse. All the pressure's coming from all sides. I need to pick that book up. Definitely. But uh, Brian, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? What's on the What's on your You know, what's been on your on your to read pile? Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, I've got your your West Michigan weather watch. It's uh, it's cold. Uh, it was either bright and sunny or snowing like a bitch yesterday one or the other okay um and it seemed to switch off every half hour or so so that was fun and unpredictable but that's great comics weather because i didn't even have to look outside uh the first thing i read was the last of us american dreams this is written by neil Druckmann and faith aaron hicks uh art by faith aaron hicks colors by rachel rosenberg and letters by clem robbins uh, this is a prequel comic to The Last of Us game. Uh, came out in uh, 2013, I think. It was right after the so. game was released. And because it came out so long ago, it doesn't really line up exactly with the show's canon. But that doesn't matter at all to me. I'm a Star Wars fan. What do I care for canon? <laughs> uh this this book starts with Ellie arriving at the Fedra quarantine zone where she will eventually meet Joel. Uh, she immediately gets into trouble when some punks steal her Walkman and she tries unsuccessfully to beat the hell out of them. She's rescued by Riley, who, of course, immediately steals her Walkman. Ellie then pursues Riley as she sneaks out of the Fedra school later that night. And they sneak into a mall, because if there's one thing I know about zombie media, it's that nothing bad ever happens in malls. <laughs> this this book really showcased one of, I think, one of my favorite things about The Last of Us as a franchise. And it's this this contrast of the horrifying, you know, fungal zombie infested world around everyone. But when you, you occasionally get to see these moments where you are reminded that Ellie is, in fact, just a kid. Like she's mm-hmm. she's 13 in this book 14 in the in the game and you know she she very much behaves like this world weary battered person but then she finds out she gets to ride a horse and there's this moment where like you can just see her eyes light up and it's just like oh right you are just a kid oh that makes yeah. us all so much worse yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh this is you know I'm really glad you mentioned this book, Brian, because I I just finished watching the show and I won't get into it. But my I haven't played the games because I don't really play games. But my brother's an avid uh, Last of Us player. Uh, he actually just replayed the re-release of the first game, 
And he told me that this comic was either the inspiration for some DLC. Uh, so I think you do get to kind of play out the story that you just mm-hmm. talked about, uh, cool. which is really interesting. And then I think it's also been, you know, slight minor spoilers. It's also adapted in the show. Um, so, you know, I, and it's really done very well in the show. So I, I want to go back and check out how this is different in the comic. I always like comparing like media when it's adapted in different forms, uh, mm-hmm. especially stuff from a video game. Cause we have a bad track record with video game adaptations. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so very interesting. Definitely going on the top of my pile digitally because it's impossible to find this, uh, printed. I, I did check. Oh, I can is imagine. It, it was I, on Hoopla, though. So Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I was literally just at Barnes & Noble earlier today, and I th- think I saw this. Okay. You know what, Danny? We'll talk after the show, um, and we'll yeah. work on some sort of Mike goes to Barnes & Noble up here in New Jersey and mail something to you. Mike's going to walk out of 10 copies of the book for everyone <laughs> in the podcast. Right. <laughs> Nine for eBay, one for Danny. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is going to be your inheritance, kids. That's what I'll, I'll send it all to you guys with a nice special like will and testament note. No, that's interesting. I I, uh, I I think it's funny that you say that, though, Danny, about like the comparison between like video games and movies and like ad- adaptations and stuff, because Kelly right now is playing through The Last of Us because she she and I never finished it. We I was like, Those, I played on normal. It's too hard. I don't want to play it on story mode because I'm like a jerk. Um, and so Kelly's playing it on story mode because she just wants to see how the story is told through the mm-hmm. video game. Um, and she kept saying to me, like, this this game just feels like a movie that I'm making choices in. Um, and, and not as like an insult, right? Because she's playing it through story mode. And I think that's how story modes are meant to be played through. But I, I found it to be really interesting that like she she said it that way because I've heard other people say that, oh, it, The Last of Us is extremely cinematic and, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And to find out that if you play it in story mode, it is just kind of like a big, long eight or nine hour movie um, is really interesting to think about adapting that to a TV show that's eight or nine hours ish long. Um, it kind of gives me hope that there's a lot of stuff that's actually sticks true to the video game and you actually get to see a lot of the twists and turns in action rather than them having to you know do the thing that happens with most adaptations from longer media where they have to crunch things or omit some things that they didn't deem as important even though fans will always call them out and say i can't believe that this character from game of thrones who had one chapter is not in this thing you know something like that so yeah that's really interesting i guess brian having played the game and also watched the show i assume do you feel like that was the case i have not played the game Oh, okay, okay, I misheard you. Um, I, I started playing it, and I got to the part where you're in, like, a museum trying to sneak past clickers, mm-hmm. uh, and after the third time, I got ripped to pieces and wanted to throw my controller through the screen. I decided that was not the game for me. <laughs> okay. But I have seen a lot okay. of, like, clips of it on, like, on YouTube and on TikTok and stuff, and there are okay. there are some scenes in the show where it's, like, a shot-for-shot recreation of scenes right, in the game. Right. Like there's, yeah, there's that opening one in, scene in particular. Yeah, I think it was in like the second to last episode where this like the set. I was watching Ellie move around on the set and I was like, I've seen this exact set in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah, yeah. weird. But yeah, that's really cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, let me let me talk about a book that I've been reading. Um, things have been it's been a very interesting week to say the least. Um, as well on my end, who knows where I'm going to be in in May? It's it's a whole it's a whole interesting situation in terms of my job and stuff. So I'm just trying to read comics to just not think about that. So I 
picked up uh, I started catching up on Earth Divers. This is I read issues number three through five. Issue six is coming out this week, which is the last issue in the arc. So I kind of wanted to get caught up because the story of for those of you who don't remember when this is on the top of my pile a few weeks ago, the story of sending a, a Native American guy goes back in time in order to kill Christopher Columbus uh, in order to prevent America from happening. Pretty cool concept. I mean, the title of the book is Earth Divers Kill Columbus. Like, hell yeah. Like, what a fun alternate history we could potentially play with and so i don't know how to as i read through these three issues like i don't know if this book is just good or really great um but i'm super hooked into the story of this sad future that involves time travel where these four native americans are just trying to prevent the awful future that america has become in the year 2021 12 um i i can't seem to get that rush song out of my head for some reason the uh but the tldr about this book you know in the year 2112 uh four native americans send one of their own back in time to kill christopher columbus like i said in order to stop america from ever becoming a country and it's a wild idea because none of them actually know if the time travel works they just know that if you send someone into this cave they never come out it's a really cool story and it's but they they pretty much find out though as the story goes on that history and fate maybe have their own ideas about how things are going to go uh which is an interesting thing to play with there is this sort of uncertainty as you're reading the book of is everything destined to happen the way that it's always happened can you actually affect time it's the age-old question about time travel but i uh i really like the way that uh, Stephen Graham Jones, who's the writer on this book, is playing with this idea of a combination of Native American folklore and like even even like f- the idea of fate itself. Like, what does that even mean to different peoples and different cultures as people from different Native American tribes start to clash in the present day of 2112? Yeah, it's a it's a cool book. And I can't wait to see how he pulls off the final issue of this arc. Like, what's going to happen? It's maybe a little bit spoiled in issue four, but also it seems that history is constantly changing, which I like. There's no certainty about anything. And that idea of if you go back in time, will the history books be rewritten rewritten by those who are reading it now? Is this an alternate timeline? Blah, 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 blah. Like, we don't know any of that stuff. And that's what makes this book so interesting. We don't have the scientific explanation about, about time travel in the this book we have this gut feeling and this hope that these these four um folks in the in 2112 are, are kind of relying on so yeah it's, it's an interesting book and i think this is the hopefully the last issue will like or this last issue of the first arc it will actually like close up some loose ends um and we'll get something pretty satisfying and it says this is book one in the in the prologue and stuff reach these issues i don't know if that means it's going to be the only one or if there's going to be more but i'm having a lot of fun with it and uh, if you haven't checked this out i think it's going to be a pretty cool collection so Give it a chance. I, I read issue one of this when it came out months ago. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed the premise enough. I also really enjoyed the point of view of like, you know, trying to change things from, from the point mm-hmm. of view of these characters. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely waiting for it to be completed because I I did. That was my only thing that I just wanted to read the next one, like immediately to see what mm-hmm. happened next, because it, it leaves you up in a really cool spot uh, after the after the first issue. And then, you know, you want to understand, like, what kind of time travel you're dealing with. Is it, like, Back to the Future rules or, like, Endgame rules or, like, you know, it's like, I like mean, all this stuff. Five so. issues in, dude, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so. but, but, again, that's that's what makes it cool. And, I mean, you know, uh, David uh, Gianfelici is on art on this book, doing a fantastic job. Um, 
really interesting, super detailed stuff. This is from IDW, which is not a, a publisher that I usually look to for independent books, but I feel like they've got a pretty solid creative team on this book. Joanna Lafuente is on art or on colors. Um, so like this, this, these, this trio of creators is doing a solid job in creating the majority of the book. I could not for the life of me find who did the letters for this book. I don't understand why that's just not obvious credits on the internet, but um, yeah, solid book. If you're looking for something that's definitely off the beaten path, I think this is a really fun one. And uh, there's a lot of like fury and righteous, like, like anger, like coming yeah. from uh, Graham Jones's perspective as he's writing about the Native American experience in America from his perspective. So yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of jabs, but definitely nothing you can fault anyone about. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, this is a good book. It's a good book. The, the wave of IDW originals that launched last year, which is, this is one of them, uh, Know Your Station with Sarah Gailey and uh, Liana Kangas, like, they're doing all these things, Scott Snyder has one, like, those are, those are a lot of fun, and you, but also you could tell it's like, we're giving creators chances to, like, you know, put some books out, but also maybe mm -hmm. get some IPs mm -hmm. farmed uh, for the future, <laughs> uh, which, you know, as long as the creators get uh, paid for all that, good for them, right? You know, get your stuff out there, get yeah. your stories out there. Get that yeah, exactly. So. Very exciting <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, Danny, well, let's let's bounce right back to you. What what else is you've been reading? Well, the the other two books I'll talk about, and I'll talk about one of them now. They're not as uh, heavy uh, as the first one because I also wanted some sure. levity. In uh, so the next one I read is Superman Lost Number One. This is a new book from DC Comics. Yo, uh, I what they've cover. been doing these. Yeah, this is this is the this is one of the variant covers for the, for everybody watching on Twitch, everyone nice. listening to the podcast. Go check it out. Uh, uh, we'll put some pictures out there on, on Twitter. But mm -hmm. yeah, this was so much fun. It it's a really cool story. But let me talk about the creative team first. Uh, so this story is written by Christopher Priest with art by Carlo Pagolayan, inks by Jason Pass, colors by Jeremy Cox, and letters by Willie Schubert. Uh, in this book, after Superman is called away on a routine Justice League mission, Lois Lane awakens to find a complete stranger standing in her living room. The Men of Steel, home much sooner than expected, reveals he has in fact been lost in space for 20 years. <gasps> Dude, I, I, I don't know if the gas was real or ironic, but I'm gonna I mean, take it. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know anything that's going on in the Superman universe, like. All I know is I read Superman, Son of Kal-El. Does this tie into that? Like Superman had to go off into no, space. No, no. Okay, totally that's, different thing. That's okay. the beauty The beauty of this book. And that was one of my first points that this is very new reader friendly, very self-contained, okay. uh, very reminiscent of the Batman Fortress that just wrapped up, which was like, I think it was like 10 issues as well or eight. Uh, this is just going to be a 10 issue story about this, this plot that I just threw out there. Mm -hmm. um, Christopher Priest, he's won Eisner's in the past. And I think overall, I enjoy his stories. I think if you go check out uh, the Deathstroke run from DC, it was very good. Uh, his Justice League run was not as good. So it's it kind of hit or miss. Um, but but overall, I think Christopher Priest is a, a good writer. And sure. Carlo, Carlo Pagolayan, uh, his, his art really fits this story because it feels kind of retro uh, in a fun way when we're like experiencing everything on, you know, on earth. But as the premise gets wild and you kind of start seeing like, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to now. What's going on with, you know, what happened during those 20 years. So we're going to have 10 issues to kind of talk about all that stuff. And then mm -hmm. what does this mean for Superman coming back? Uh, and how does this affect Lois? Because I think that's the main thing too, that this book 
for the first three quarters of this issue, it focuses on their relationship and everything. And then, of course, Batman shows up and he gets blamed for everything. Uh, like if Batman was control, yeah. So, uh, it's you know really, Batman really, and his time travel powers. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a really fun premise. Uh, and then like I said, I would if anybody knows anything about Superman, I would hand them this issue because you only need to know who Superman is and maybe the Justice League, and that's it. Like you don't need thirty years of continuity, which is very smart that I think DC is doing doing stuff like this because not everyone reads everything like myself and a few other people yeah. on the discord right so uh very <laughs> yeah. very good approach i think damn it danny i'm reading I'm, I'm picking this up this is what's happening after the stupid show i hate this i hate this podcast sometimes you guys are making me reading all this all this dc shit that i don't even care about okay come on <laughs> it's okay we got we got the dc infinite account now so you can just read it there. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Maybe I'll I'll check it out there right. and then maybe buy the trade eventually. You know, who knows? We all have our own distinct DC Infinite accounts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For legal yeah. purposes, yes. I'll I'll make Polly give you his uh, take on it because I am a hundred percent sure that Polly picked this book up. Like I don't even oh, have yeah. to, I don't even have to, oh, I don't yeah. confirmation. Just look at the, I mean, I looked at the regular cover. I think this was, uh, I po- I tweeted about this because I think it was a pick on the show very recently. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It, I, I saw that cover and I was like, man, that's cool. Superman fans are really, really getting something nice this week. And then I just didn't think about it. Um, but if you're yeah. saying it's good, you're saying it's new reader friendly, I'll be the judge of that. I'm the new reader. Okay. Um, okay. Well, you'll be getting well, stay, some feedback. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. I like that we're building some continuity now into all this. Right, uh, right. If you like, don't uh, listen to every episode of I Read Comic Books, you just will not understand what's happening this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's like how my like my top of the pile never comes back up, never matters. I'm new reader friendly. <laughs> true, true. Uh, my next pick, uh, funny enough, was actually also published by DC. Uh, yeah. I thought that was weird. This is uh, The Nice House on the Lake, written by James Tinney IV, uh, art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Ad World Design. I knew this book sounded familiar, so I'm sure that one of you guys has talked about it on the show before, but I did not remember anything else about it. It's right here on the shelf, Brian. I know you can read it through the very pixelated 720 or 720p compressed image but it's right here on the shelf. I'm just yeah, just you know, me, me and my my great eyesight, my negative yeah. six pre- prescription on my contacts. <laughs> I, I had no idea what this was going to be about, and around 15 pages in, I was still like kind of uncertain. But the thing that got me to keep reading was that each character in it has like a title and this weird little symbol to go with it. So you got like the artist, yes. the comedian, the scientist. They're, they're introduced in such a way that I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but I want to. I want to understand <laughs> this. Yeah. And sometimes stuff like that would push me away. I couldn't I couldn't explain to you why this got my interest deeper instead of pushing me off. Mm-hmm. It did. And then at the end of that first issue, we take a hard left into Eldritch Horror yeah. as, spoilers, the world ends <laughs> and things get weirder from there the the art in this book is is phenomenal like uh buenos art and bellaris colors like the way they work together is so incredibly like eerie and unsettling but in like the 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 best possible way like there's there's some stuff that i i can only describe it as body horror it's very like 
uh, very the thing in in the way certain bodies have shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of that stuff. So like it wasn't scary though. That's the weird thing. Like this book is 100% horror, but it's not scary. Right. The thing that that got me the most out of that book is that that first issue reading it blind not really knowing what the book was going to be about other than like this is another james tinian banger like we need a dj spot <laughs> that you could just press a button just like another dj you know a banner you know whatever um but it would be i just knew coming out of department of truth that like there was going to be something special about this book because i i decided to skip over it when it first came out and then i was like ah, i should go back and grab that and then to see how that first issue end ended, I I like lost it, like near panic attack, freaking out because it was like so absurdly close to reality. I was like, this book is something absolutely special. And then, of course, trying to read it month to month, it feels like you are reading a dictionary from the letter A to letter B and then from B to C because there's so much to take in. I, I can't wait to reread this. Like I just got the volume two. So I'm like going to sit down and just like power through both volumes. But despite that, the first six issues I did reread and I loved it. And it's you're right, Brian, like it's not horror, but it is constantly like you're there's always a moment of suspense that is broken by a flashback. And you're like, how am I supposed to feel about this book? Like constantly throughout the whole series. I, I really, really love that because there's yeah. there's something unsettling, but you can never really put your finger on it. Yeah, I I also have read volume one of this. Uh, I read the first issue when it came out and it was really good, but there was a lot of stuff happening at the time. And because it's not, it's a DC horror, which is, it's really interesting also that DC is publishing a book like this. I'm glad they're doing it. Uh, and I'm glad they, I, I bet at that point, Tinian could do whatever he wanted anyways. Right. Uh, and they probably baby. still can. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is, this book is really fun. Uh, in the most scariest of ways. And I think I want to say you guys, Mike, you and somebody else made Kate Scotchless read this, I think, for one of the topics of the episode, uh, which was yeah. probably, I think, for somebody that doesn't normally read horror and focuses more on like middle grade type of comics, mm-hmm. making them jump onto a book like this feels yes. kind of cruel, but it's also very interesting to listen to. So if, yeah. You know, yeah. check check the backlog of the episodes for that. That's definitely uh, like going yeah, up to your, your friend who watches all the Disney films. Like, you know, you'd really dig is Saw. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I, I'm also very looking much looking forward to reading volume two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, just really kind of catching up on everything, James Tinian. But this one's one of the things that it's just on my forever uh, growing list of things to read by James Tinian. Totally. Because he, he just does not stop writing books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to well, just I subscribe mean, to a man at your local comic shop? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, know could, you could do it at some I shops. Was, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have, I don't want to say standing orders. But yeah, I do have standing orders on my shop that there's a few creators that might might uh, you know they know they know who to uh, who to pull like for me. So and it's both mm-hmm. writers and artists that they'll totally. just pull everything for me. So um, yeah. and you can also check out Tinian's Substack, which a lot of the stuff you get way in advance. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, so like you World can Tree. now subscribe to people <laughs> directly. I was gonna say you can just subscribe to his 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 uh, Substack. You'll get Blue Book. You'll get World Tree. You'll get Christopher Chance. You'll get what else is he? He's, I uh, think the those closet. are the three major. Yeah, the closet. You'll the get closet all that came stuff out through there. Yeah, yeah, through through his Substack like months in advance before they even go to print, which is cool. 
Um, but let me talk about another book that I read uh, called Notes from a Sickbed. Speaking of Kate Scotch, she recommended this to me. And uh, this is by Tessa Brunt- Brunton. And uh, I-, I told Kate that I was going to read it. Um, and I finally sat down and did. And uh, this is a memoir about someone who was stuck in a bed due to an undiagnosed illness, later diagnosed as myalgic encephalitis. I'm probably not saying that right, but also known as chronic fatigue syndrome. And the story kind of follows like eight years of her living in and out of a bed from various places, living with a roommate, living with her parents, living somewhere else. Um, so like just a warning on the content there, like it's it's a kind of a depressing story if you've dealt with someone who or you're not dealt with. Have you, have you know, had that type of illness in your family or you've you know experienced that? But I feel like overall Brunton's story isn't really like a one that is like documenting necessarily just like bouts of depression and bouts of sadness and talking about how how like bad her life is in quotes, you know, it's instead talking about like all of the times where she was hit with these waves of fatigue where she couldn't function. And she kind of like documenting the way where her mind went, you know, experiencing these fantasies of like, if only I could get up and move around, I would do all of these great things. And then eventually, at one point in the book, she does go out and do something that she's very excited about knowing that her body is going to make her quote unquote pay for it later, because that is kind of the the back and forth that she dealt with. But Nonetheless, the whole book kind of focuses on on this idea of hope, this eventuality that she will figure out what is causing this. And once she gets that all figured out, she will be able to continue her life the way that she was living it before this illness kind of took over the way that she lived her life. And I, I really appreciated that like the message was was there like and she she kind of talks about how it is it does get very dark at times and the way that some of the moments in the book are unspoken there's a lot of like silent panels of her crying or considering different things and like realizing like the sadness of missing out on life like she she goes through all of these like various stages of emotion based on how her disease is making her feel um but i felt like by the end of the book there's this kind of ambiguous optimistic upturn that isn't written so much as it's shown on the page and like her art style to me doesn't normally click with like a very like cartoony upbeat feel but every time she tried to get a little bit goofy and wild with things i felt like overwhelmingly happy for her as a character as a person not as a character in the story um so yeah it's a really interesting book um i read this followed by like pre in the previous book i read was like another depressing book both from the the library and uh or like the title was very like depressing. And I think the librarians think that like I have something going on because I keep checking out these books that have like very tough subjects over and over. Um, like oh, the last God, book the I sa- checked the out sad was... The sad sack with the mustaches here. <laughs> like <laughs> the last book that I picked up just recently after um, returning notes from a sickbed was Last Days in Vietnam by Will Eisner. <laughs> like, it's it's a it's a very interesting history that i have at my library but um still if you're if you're looking for something that's like about you know a person's life dealing with something that is like very overwhelming to their entire like life um, i think this is a great read and uh if you get a chance to read it i mean i highly recommend it i i was gonna say mike i think it's really interesting that you know i think we both read some books that are just creators putting themselves out on the page and i just find that really admirable because i think First of all, it, it's got to be super scary. Like, you know, as as somebody that's putting themselves out there through through a podcast like this and stuff like that's mm-hmm. not too personal, but like they go into like a lot more personal stuff and just really put it all out there. And then after that, after that's out there, they they have no control over how people perceive or receive those things, right? Right. Uh, so they never know what the feedback's going to be. But it it's also really cool because uh, some people don't, you know, 
fortunately maybe they don't get to, they don't experience that stuff but they can develop some empathy or at least figure out what some of those things are and i think yeah. just being more aware of that i think it's really important so i'll, I'll definitely have to check this out um yeah I mean, it's not it's a it's not a hugely dense read either. I think like that was the thing that kind of surprised me. Like we read some other books. Um, I read some other books very recently that were um, kind of in a similar vein about people like like autobiographical stories. Um, very long, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is like 150 some pages, and it read really easily. Like Brunton's art is really fun in in some places, and like the way that she tells stories is really kind of goofy in in some ways. Um, like when she goes into these ideas of like the fantastical realms that she wishes she could live in, uh, rather than being in this bed or on a couch. Uh, it's really really enjoyable, uh, and it kind of like pushes you through like the story or the 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 memoirs very quickly. Um, in a lot of ways. So yeah, totally recommend it. But I guess one more, Danny, do you have one more book you want to talk about? Um, before we get into our top bar pile. I do have one more. Uh, and this was, I think this was Paul's pick from maybe the Enough Said show. Uh, okay. Because I, I love the way he talked about the description. So I'm, I might repeat yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit of that. Uh, Fantastic Four, number five, uh, written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Fiorelli, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, in this issue, the Fantastic Four are reunited and all is well until they're interrupted by Nick Scratch and Salem 7. So, I, I didn't know who these people were until Paul kind of talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are some of the most bombastic villains that I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> of course. Which is, it's the Fantastic it, Four. Mean, like, they have the most absurd villains ever, right? Exactly. And and this is this is what I'm loving about this series. I, I, this is the first time I've pulled Fantastic Four. Uh, now that Ryan North's been writing it. I've checked out a few issues here and there before, but this is the first time I'm actually pulling it from the shop. Uh and yeah, it, it's everything I want in a Fantastic Four book. Just kind of like these weird stories that are fun and crazy. Like we we now know kind of the repercussions of why everyone's mad at the Fantastic Four by this point in the story. Uh, right. So like these villains kind of coming out of the woodwork. Uh, to me, this feels completely the opposite of what uh, Hickman was doing with the Fantastic Four. Because he was just like building all these intricate layers. And this one's right. like, no, no, we're just going to have a good time uh, and kind of go go along with it. Um, and, and it's reflected. That, yeah, it, it's very much reflected in uh, Fiorelli's art. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like the way uh, the characters are drawn and the things that happen. We definitely we go to the negative zone because, of course, it's a Fantastic Four book. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm loving this book. And, you know, it's planting a lot of seeds for what's going to happen in the in the next arc I'm, I'm guessing uh maybe even literally i don't know it's it's very weird but yeah uh it, it, you can tell that ryan north is having a lot of fun uh with this book and that translates to me having fun while i'm reading this book so this mm-hmm. and then you get alex ross covers uh because of course uh so yeah very very much uh everything you want in a fantastic four uh, it, it's in the series. That's, you know, Danny, I'm glad you're enjoying Fantastic Four as well. Um, someone's gotta, you know, that's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> you and Paul, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy for you guys. You know, I, I do love those Alex Ross covers though. I, I remember, I remember when we read the first issue and you kind of broke down Ryan's North approach to what, what he was going to do with this run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think he's, he's definitely sticking to those things. Sure. Uh, but but it seems like it, they may not be for everyone. But yeah, I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. So cool. Uh, well, let me well, talk about well, one more. 
Go ahead. I was gonna say we'll let you keep the the cerebral Hickman Foundation like seven layers of continuity type of stuff. But I, I'm on board with that stuff too. Hey, I you know, too, I so. I I'll just be completely honest with you. I've never read that either. So like, I just oh, I have I have <laughs> very little opinions on the Fantastic Four other than I don't I don't care. Other than all of their <laughs> movies have been bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But let me let me talk about one more book uh, that uh, I read recently. Um, I've actually finished it today. This is a book called Cuckoo by Joe Sparrow. It's published by Shortbox Comics, so that should be like all the indicator you like hardcore comic book fans should need um, to know that this book is an is an amazing comic book in general. It's a beautifully illustrated comic about kind of finding your place in the universe. Uh, the story is Dorothy is an anxiety-ridden 19-year-old who is trying her best to make it through illustration courses at a UK version of Community College. When a mysterious, quote, thing involving aliens, maybe, from her childhood resurfaces, Dorothy will meet her first real best friend and discover that there's more to herself in the universe than she could ever imagine. This is not the plot to E.T. I just want to be clear about that. The story is not E.T. It sounds very much like E.T. in my description. It's not. Um a joke that only I found funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a story. Uh, but the story is interesting because it the way that Sparrow draws comics is probably some of the most precise, interesting, cartoony styles I've ever seen. Right. Like there is a thing about cartoonists who do books that kind of have like a Steven universe and not, not to be like, not to say it's a style, but there's like a very, that, that vibe where everything's kind of round and bubbly with the sharp edges still feel kind of sh like not so sharp. Um, the way that Sparrow draws their book, it feels like that, but with like 10 more levels of detailed precision, they're not drawing sh like people and things. They're making geometric shapes turn into objects that we recognize as people. Um, it's a really, really interesting way to make comics. And, and I, I feel like if anybody looked at this book, you look at the preview for this book, it looks like a, a book that I got just described, like a bloom. Or I, I'm just going to keep staying Steven Universe because it's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. But it looks the same, but there is like an extra layer of detail inside of everything that they do. Their panel layouts and the, and the way that they do page layouts is incredible. And... Um, I really liked the message at the center of this story. Um, this the message being that like this thing, like I said, aliens come to Earth. Maybe we don't know what they are really. Something happens with Dorothy, and I don't want to reveal it here. But because of that thing, she has to kind of question everything that she thought was wrong in her life, everything that she thinks is right in her life. She kind of questions her existence in the vastness of the universe and finds that while her pre her presence is small, it is as important as anything else. Um, and that all of the things that have gone right in the universe are something to reflect on versus the things that she views as maybe being not so good in the way that she's lived her life in this very small microcosm of the universe itself. And I really like the, the optimistic bent that you could take away from this book. I think there's alternatively a very dark, dark, dark way, uh, like interpretation of this book that you could get based off of the last probably dozen pages where there is this uncertainty of how the book actually ends. I think like you have to read this book and experience it to actually ask yourself how you think the story ends because I think Sparrow does a great job of leaving it ambiguous without that kind of like middle finger of I'm not even going to find an ending for this book that I think some writers do. Um, there yeah. is clearly an end here, but how you wish to interpret that is up to you as the reader. And I think that that's just amazing. Um, so highly recommend this. I think you can get this on the short box website. 
I got this through their Kickstarter. Um, in the future, I'll say, if you see a short box Kickstarter, just just go ahead and support that. Just do it. You're going to get good comic books, especially when they do their yearly or they used to. I don't know if they do it anymore sampler series where you would get like a couple of small zine sized comics from a couple of different creators one of my favorite comics from 2020 or 2019 was in that box like hands down one of the best comic books i read that year so highly recommend that if you get a chance but uh this cuckoo book was was amazing i really 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 liked it i assume the title is kind of foreshadowing for the comic uh yeah 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 um yeah there is a question of like of sanity and reality and that it kind of lives in the book as well um oh, but again I it's, with it's the a fact matter- that uh cuckoos will lay their eggs in other birds nests oh that is a way right. more apt um like connection than what i was thinking so yes totally brian totally play a lot of wingspan <laughs> i think about birds more than your average person <laughs> probably does i see i see <laughs> Well, Mike was describing this book. I know the, you mentioned the main character's name is Dorothy, and I was like, "Huh, I didn't." And then you this, you know, made the joke about ET, and I just started like, both ET and Dorothy just wanted to go home, and they're you know the Wizard of Oz and, and ET respectively. Uh, so I don't know if the name Dorothy's an allusion to the Wizard of Oz, but just the way you kind of described it feels like there's definitely yeah. a little bit of that weirdness. Both also um, have a, a person on a flying bike. Right. Well, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to say probably not. There isn't a lot of like, I want to go home in this book. Okay. Um, but, you know, you can interpret honest, honest to God, you can interpret the last like dozen pages of this book to mean a lot of different things. And maybe someone wanting to go home is a thing that is a part of that story. Um, I'll let you, the reader, be the judge of that. I'll just say that everyone send me your reviews. Email me ircbpodcast at gmail.com. I'm taking any and all feedback about Cuckoo. Um, I think it's a really good book. And if you're watching on Twitch, you can see the cool cover that I got. It's like explosions and geometric shapes. But if you guys, you know what I'm saying with this style, it kind of feels like there's like a cartoony vibe to it, but it's something else. Yeah. I I love the way the name is done just with geometric shapes too. Like the actual font. Yes. It's the, oh, very like, geometry is very, very important in this book. It's I mean, it's everything really cool is shapes thing. when you get down to it. Yeah, stay That's in school, true. kids. Like geometry <laughs> was one of the subjects that you're actually going to use in real life when you're an adult, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Like whether whether you have to move a couch into your house, or you have to like you know drive down the freeway, or you're just playing pool, like mm-hmm. that one actually pay attention. Some of the other stuff, whatever. Yeah, to all the teenager out there listening to this podcast, <laughs> stay in school. <laughs> Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to tell you guys about a brand new Kickstarter that I'm excited about. Comic book writer and friend of the podcast, Gabe Cheng, is launching his latest Kickstarter campaign on Wednesday, March 16. For the first time ever, all four issues of Gabe's comic, For Molly, will be published as a collected trade paperback. For Molly is an action-packed modern fantasy adventure set among the abandoned things in the New Jersey forest where talking dogs and off-the-grid humans have precariously coexisted until now. The story centers on an antisocial talking dog named Molly, who helps a recently divorced outsider named Greg save his sister from a hidden evil. It explores themes of guilt, abandonment, and loyalty as Greg and Molly's unlikely friendship is tested every step of their journey. For Molly features art by Benjamin Sawyer, and the 150-page trade paperback also contains the short story spin-off comic Into the Wilderness with art by Elisa Menegel. 
The Four Molly Kickstarter launches on Wednesday, March 16th, so make sure to go check that out. Link is in the show notes, and you can always say hi to Gabe and Twitter and Instagram at Gabe Chang Comics, which will also be linked in the show notes. Now back to the show. Um... <laughs> Let's uh let's move on to uh, another regular segment here on I Read Comic Books. Every week, I ask people to give me one book that's on the top of their pile, a comic that's new, old, or something that they've just been meaning to read, and they're finally getting around to it. So let's jump right into that with Brian. What's on the top of your pile this week? Yeah, the top of my pile, uh, I'm going back to the, the manga side of things. Uh, the top of my pile is a book called Tomo-chan is a Girl. Uh, this is written by Fumida Yanagida. Um, this is, I actually just saw the, the anime show up on Crunchyroll not too long ago nice. and I decided to watch it cause I was like, Hey, maybe they're going to do some, some weird stuff with gender. I'm always down for some weird gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what it is, but it wound up being a very cute love story anyways. Uh, it's a story <laughs> of this young woman, Tomo, who is like your, your classic tomboy, like sporty archetype. Uh, and she is sick and tired of being treated like one of the guys. Uh, she has a huge crush on her childhood best friend june and he is fully not picking up what she's putting down (laughs) the show opens with her like confessing her love to him and he's like oh yeah i love you too buddy (laughs) oh no (laughs) right (laughs) and so the, the the rest of the the show and presumably the manga as well is going to be her uh attempting to like get his attention and be like, no, you dipshit, look at me. Like, actually look at me. <laughs> the characters are a little bit over the top in, like, that that anime manga way. But not not to the point that they're, like, obnoxious. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, personally, I find them all very charming. They do the classic, like, thing that no human being ever actually does, where when somebody makes you a little angry, so you punch them in the face as hard as you can. Um. But they do at least explain like these two have been taking karate together since they were little kids. So like I see it, it kind of makes sense a little bit <laughs> if you squint. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. There's 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 one story arc that I'm hoping that they're going to actually get into. And I don't know if they have the guts or not, where it seems like uh, one of their other best friends. It seems like she has a huge crush on Tomo. And I don't know if they have the courage to actually go through with that love triangle, but mm. I'm here for it. Do it, cowards. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> um I was gonna I was gonna say I was I was at the at the comic shop this week and I did see that Dinosaur Sanctuary Volume 2 came out this week. And I kind of expected that to be the top of your pile. But uh, if I had known it know, was coming out it probably would have been <laughs> <laughs> or maybe i got the date wrong i don't know i thought i thought i saw it on the shelf maybe i only saw volume one but um i just don't pay I'm attention excited. to anything ah, so okay well um i'm just saying i'm also very much looking forward to that book because you sold me um on the volume one brian i just want to make that loud and clear here on the show spoilers if you didn't listen to the patreon episode that we did about the best of 2022 in comics that was brian's pick and i loved it i thought it was so fun but any uh, any book that employs a third party like expert, I think it's it's <laughs> at least at least worth checking out uh, because, you know, you're going to get some real good information. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Danny, what about you? Uh, well, Mike, uh, as expected, I'm picking a Batman book because, of course, of course, uh, of course, 
we have Brian's clutching his Batman. Yeah. yeah, right. And then they're breaking off, and then uh, careful, Brian. There might be a don't walk down any alleyways with your pearls. Xander has a gun. Oh no, Danny, oh, you're Bruce Wayne. Uh, I will reluctantly become Batman. I guess very reluctantly. Sorry, man. Sorry, uh, I'll be. Submit your applications uh, to be my Robin at the IRCB email. Mike mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. filter through those. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm picking uh, Batman One Bad Day, Rachel Ghoul, uh, because first of all, these these One Bad Day one shots have been uh, amazing. And and allow me to and here's some insider information. I'm going to give you a little bit of a a thing you can spend your money on. DC is reprinting these in hardcover. And then they're gonna make a slipcase for it, and Ooh. I've already seen it on the website, and I've already asked what? my shop to pre-order it for me, and it's probably too much money, and it's very and a very irresponsible purchase, but it is so cool. I I am so excited for it. So the slipcase is gonna have for for all of the hardcovers. Is that what you're saying? So e- each one of the books will get printed into a, its own hardcover, and then all those yeah. eight books go into the one slipcase. And Sick. I can't wait to put that in my shelf. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so much fun. I read but- the one One Bad Day comic, and that was the Riddler one. I really liked it. So, like, you have given me enough interest to want to try the other ones. I'm just saying, you got me to buy that Riddler one, Danny. 96 pages, it was totally worth it. So, I'm... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to get your recommendation for what I should grab next. That's that's all I'll say. Yeah. I mean, if you want to buy this uh, hardcover slipcase thing, <laughs> it comes with all of them. So... <laughs> You know, right. Mike, uh, you like to spend seven ninety nine on one issue. Why don't you spend two hundred dollars on hardcovers in a slipcase? <laughs> that's right. Make sure you make sure you ask your subscription about uh, I mean your your comic shop about subscription discounts. Uh, oh, I get right, right, I get right. uh, t- ten and twenty percent at both my my shops. So, uh, but smart, anyways, smart. back to Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, uh, this is going to be written by Tom Taylor with art by Ivan Reese, Danny Mickey on inks, uh, colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Wes Abbott. Uh, so for centuries, Rachel Gould has wanted to save the earth from the worst of humankind. And for centuries, he has failed. Recently, his greatest obstacle has been the Dark Knight detective, Batman. Rage offer, offered Batman a chance to be a part of his new world, but Batman has refused. For years, their Cold War has raged, but Rage will have no more of it. And he will finally remove Batman from the equation. Doesn't this just sound fun? Uh, I, mean, I mean, definitely I, sounds like one side of that story. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? I mean, I think uh, it sounds really cool. Like, I love to see villains think they've gotten one over on Batman, um, only to find out that, like, how could they ever think that? That's that's like this is like this the rules of a Predator movie or the rules of an Alien movie, right? Where at this point, like. The predator, you know, the humans show up and they're like, we're going to hunt this thing down. And then the predator kills all of them. And they're like, how could this be possible? Or aliens is just like, there's no way it infects anybody. And then they all die. You know, like (laughs) it's all really, really standard. And I, I, it's, there's just something that's just nice about the predictability. Um, No matter how you, what angle you approach it at, it's still really fun. Yeah. If it's not act three and you're going up against the predator, you're fucked. Sorry. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, that that's uh, definitely what I'm picking up. But uh, Mike, uh, what what are you reading? 
Uh, well, I guess before I get into what I'm reading next, uh, we had some folks hanging out with us live on Twitch, which is awesome. And those of you who are the special folks who hang out in our Discord, uh, we asked you before we started the show to give us what books you're reading next. And CK is reading The Rush. I don't know what this book is, but Danny, you told me before we started recording that you knew what this book was. Yeah, I read issue one, and I, that might have been, <laughs> I might have exaggerated on my knowledge of this book. Okay. Because uh, okay. I read issue one, <laughs> but it is by Cy Sparrier. Uh, it's like this well, West. Okay. It's like this Western type of story from Ball Comics. Uh, so that's that's another. So those are two check marks, I think, in the favor of this book. That I, that it, that's why I read the first one. Uh, but then it's like a Western theme book that gets really weird because Cy Spurrier's writing it. Of course. Uh, so so I was gonna wait till the collection was done. I wasn't aware it was already out. Uh, so thanks to CK for pointing out that it is. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna go back and reread this now. Uh, I just really like bald stuff, but I definitely I just know that a lot of their stuff reads better collected. But you know, I understand why they have to serialize it. Uh, yeah, but. yeah. Okay, so well, just looking this up uh, while Danny was talking, we've got Cy Spurrier, we've got Nathan Gooden on on art. Uh, this is this is everything that I want in a comic book. So I'm gonna immediately buy this. So thank you to Danny, thank you to CK, uh, appreciate that. But uh, for me this week, uh, this is a book that I grabbed on a whim. And my pre-orders for my LCS, this is the problem when you actually go through the previews three months in advance. Sometimes you click a book and you go, you know what? I don't even care that it's a $40 hardcover. I'm buying this thing. And then you show up to the shop one day and they go, Mike, uh, you have a book that's so big, we can't put it in the box. Finally, you're here to get it out of our stock. And I'm like, what <laughs> the hell could that even be? Like, did I accidentally buy an oversized book? And then the guy hands it to me and it's it's not oversized, but it's much bigger than the boxes they use to store comics. Um, and this is Negliad, the God Network by Vincent Perio or Perrier. I don't know, Perry something. Uh, it's it, from Titan Comics. The synopsis for this book, and I think this is why I bought it. The art looks beautiful. It's a French book translated into English. Um, uh, Negliad follows dinosaur shepherd Jerry as he joins a rebel group intent on destroying the totalitarian government that controls his dystopian world. Perfect for fans of Jurassic Park excuse me, Jurassic World, in a post-apocalyptic far future alternate world, dinosaurs roam the desolate land while the last denizens of humanity survive together in technological cities run by a military regime. Jerry, a loner who shepherds a group of dinosaurs, travels to the city when his herd is murdered. There he becomes involved with a rebel group who defy the totalitarian society and uncovers a conspiracy that reveals the true nature of the world they live in. What he finds will change his life forever. Come on, everybody. Is that not the coolest book description you've ever heard? Um, like I said, I pre-ordered this out of the, on a whim. And honestly, just looking through the book as I have it sitting on my shelf, it's a beautiful looking book. I know why I grabbed this because the preview art looked amazing. The concept is, is funky, fresh, European sci-fi fantasy blending weirdness that always kind of like scratches a weird itch that I have. Um, so I'm really excited for this. It's going to be a super fun, weird ride. Um, and, you know, if you get a chance, Titan Comics sometimes makes some really bizarre comic books, but it's totally worth it. Like, take a risk on a Titan Comics comic book sometime. Um, I think you'll probably have a good time. They they tend to bring some really fun international stuff to the U.S. Totally. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but, Mike, we're going to need you to update us if there's a Chris Pratt wrangling Rap <laughs> Raptors post type of thing, Danny. If that happens, book. I'll burn the book and I'll show. I'll send you a video. You can put that on Twitch or, or TikTok or something. Um, 
No. The TikTok, uh, TikTok Chris... of Mike eating pages out of this book. Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll go full full feral mode and just uh, yeah lose it. All my books. I've got a whole series of lunches over here to my right. Um, if if that happens, but um, yeah, I get that kind of wraps up today's show. I guess for the most part. Um, Danny, Brian, I asked you guys this. I, I put it in the bottom of our show notes. Um, any thoughts about Omnibus or Global Comics? Um, they both got Valiant recently. Um, I'm just curious to see if you had any thoughts on it because um, I, for one, am excited about the prospect of someone challenging Amazon and uh, making a comics app and comics website that actually works. Global Comics' website actually works to read comic books, which is really nice. Uh. Um have you guys have you guys looked at this stuff at all? I don't know. I just wanted to throw it out there. I I sometimes get emails from Boom about like their news and stuff. Sure. And I believe one of those recently was that they partnered up with either Global Comics or Omnibus. I'm not really sure. Or maybe both. It, it was Global Comics. Global Comics just recently had like a big announcement of like a bunch of smaller publishers are coming over to them. So I think it's like Valiant. TKO, Boom Studios, Image, um, all are like signing up where you can read their comics through the discounted like yearly subscription service. And you can also like buy individual trades and single issues and stuff to them in a different way. So DRM free. Cool. Well, I'm all for more legal ways to read comics online digitally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that way the creators, you know, can put their work out there and be rewarded for it. Uh, and then it's easier for comics to be more accessible. Like not everyone has, uh, I, we're very lucky to have the, you know, the Hoopla library system that just kind of mm-hmm. delivers a lot of stuff. Uh, and then the way, you know, Comixology just really not been making an effort to uh, make it user-friendly or reader-friendly. Like it is impossible for you to read on their desktop uh, website. Like yeah. if I'm not, I'll just read on my iPad mm-hmm. now. So if if more publishers are going to some of these outlets, uh, the better for it because I think it'll create some competition and it'll, it'll either make you know Amazon be like, oh, maybe we should fix some of our stuff. Yeah, uh, we should not have fired all the people who knew how to do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other topic of like how books read different than comic books digitally, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I, like I said, I think any any way that we can get more people reading comic books. Um, so I'll have to check this out. I love reading digitally. Like it's my preferred way, even though I buy so many physical books. Uh, so maybe if there's a way that some of these publishers are putting some digital coats, I love that feature. So if they're going to do that with some of these partners. Maybe that would be an interesting way to get me to go to the platform. So Sure. Yeah, I, I mostly only subscribe to physical books just so that like, that sale will be on the book so they know that people want more of that book. Yeah. Like I have not read any of the single issues that I've bought in, I don't know, two or three years at this point, probably. (laughs) Uh, I just, I just get the trade on, you know, I was been on comiXology for a while or I read it on hoopla. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if if there's a, a way that I can do that without supporting, uh, Amazon, I would love to. Yeah. No, the thing that's the thing that's really interesting to me is these companies, you know, I I don't know, Danny, just to go back to one of your points, I guess, is these companies that don't exist, I think, to get new people reading comics. Like, here's the thing. This is the the harsh reality that I think we as comic loving folks need to like understand is that 
new getting new readers into comics is not going to be through digital. I don't think it's going to be through someone like recommending a trade or giving them a physical book or, you know, plopping someone down in front of a a, a reader or something and getting them to read it. But I don't think people are going to be discovering global comics and being like, finally, a way for me to read Saga. You know, <laughs> um, I, I think that like these like omnibus and global comics um omnibus might change the game a little bit because i think that like comiXology with their in-app purchases actually allowed people to get access to books that they probably would have never heard of which meant that like comiXology had an extreme amount of power in terms of promoting which books they wanted to actually get read because some folks would just show up to the app and then buy whatever was on the homepage because they maybe read one book but um, that's beyond the point here. Um, I think like global comics and omnibus for the most part, especially in these first like 2023, 24, 25, 26, these first couple of years, if they're going to make a dent in the digital marketplace at all, it's going to be by converting folks like us who are a bit more hardcore in our reading over from using Amazon to using their apps instead. Like if I could migrate all of my image comic reading from from Amazon over to omnibus or global comics i do it in a heartbeat uh, i know that it's a hassle to like fragment your library and stuff like that but like ultimately how often are you going back to read comics i'm not <laughs> um so it really doesn't matter after i've already read the book once right um so if and, and, and again to brian's point if i don't have to support amazon in this because of the way that they've treated the people of comiXology and just the way that they treated the digital comic book marketplace in general by not making it any better and in fact making it worse and harder for independent creators I'd rather do that. I'd rather hand my money to Global Comics or Omnibus, even if it costs me a little bit more because I have the ability to do so. Um, so I don't know. Soapbox, whatever. It's not going to go away, but I'll, I'll be quiet so that you guys can <laughs> respond if you have any thoughts. No, I, I think it's also pretty cool that... So these are kind of like subscription services too. Like, well, at least they may, they have a subscription type of thing where it's more of a on-demand type of stuff like Netflix or something like that. Yeah, because uh, I'm looking through the the com the global comics uh, website and you can sign up for a yearly membership and then you'll mm -hmm. have access to like, you know, 30,000 plus books in their library, which mm -hmm. I like that. I like having access to subscriptions where like if I if I'm if I want to read an issue for the show or for like whatever I'm doing, I don't want to have to go dig through my, you know, 10 20 long boxes in the garage yeah yeah uh, i usually check all my digital sources first yeah um and and this like stuff like this is is very helpful uh for people that just kind of want to like if you suggest something here i'll be like oh I'll, let me go check if it's on my subscription at global comics or right or whatever so um i think yeah it's it's really the the way that like you said mike People that are already reading comics, that's how they get to reread them or like maybe finally check them out if it's been on the top of your pile, but your pile is somewhere else now because you've moved it over <laughs> to yeah. your collection. So, um, yeah, I don't know this. And, and the price, I mean, really seems fair. Like it's about the same as what I'm paying for Marvel Unlimited on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's definitely comparable, but you, you get a lot more publishers here uh, like AWA, Mad Cave, uh, what is this, Source Point top cow and then some either like a lot of indie creators are also on this thing it looks mm -hmm, like so mm -hmm. it which is really interesting those the submit thing at comiXology was one of the things that i really enjoyed because same you could discover a lot of books um that i probably would have never read had they not mm -hmm. been on the submit page at the 
at Comixology. So hopefully this also leads to something similar with a lot of these creators get their books out there and uh, right. that you would have never found because they can't print them or something. You know, you can't always make getting a book to a comic shop physically is very oh, yeah. difficult. Tons <laughs> so, of hurdles. Tons of hurdles. Yeah. Uh, and this is where like we almost need like a just watch like i don't know if you guys use just watch at all um but it's like a service to look up where something is streaming i think eventually we're going to need something like a just watch for comics where you need to you can type in like saga or you can type in you know the last of us whatever the book was that brian read and you could see oh it's it's available to you know through the subscription service and global comics or you can buy it directly from this place or you can find it at this you know on barnes and noble or something like that um that'd be an interesting thing that i will i should keep my mouth shut about because i should just try to build that <laughs> xander cut this out yeah xander cut yeah, the, right. oh, sh- turn the twitch stream off kate <laughs> um i don't know i i just i i i want comics to i want the old comics algae back and we're never going to get there because it was a wild west of comics distribution um and now everybody's got their own walls and services and all this other stuff um so like i i'm hoping that something like global comics or omnibus can get us a little bit closer to that maybe for everyone but marvel and dc you know i I guess i can only dream i think those two big publishers because they have their own like kind of demand services for this they will probably there's no upside for them to send them send you somewhere else to do their subscription. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. they have no subscription services. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah. Here, here's the thing, Brian. They're not making any money off the comic subscription right now. They just <laughs> need it for farming IP. Yeah. I mean, letting you for ten dollars a month, letting you read their books from last month. I don't. I don't understand how that works for them. But I mean, I'm taking full advantage of it. Uh, and then Marvel sure. only three months behind. So. Yeah, I, I don't. This, it's, okay. it's, this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scream about this until the, until my eyes explode out of my head. But like, there's no reason why we shouldn't have day and date subscription availability for every single comic book that comes out. The money in comics is not single issue sales. It is in the trade sales and merchandise sales. And as soon as Marvel and DC can get it out of their heads that like, that is the way that people make money through single issues like then we can move forward as a civilization with no strife <laughs> world peace will be solved. uh no it, it's crazy because i know that the reason why they do that is because they do not want to piss off digital or, uh, local comic book shops right um because you can't they don't want to take that away from them they don't want to take away physical sales the problem that the thing that i feel like they don't recognize is that there are people that if there was day and date service for all of this stuff and we saw this when digital sales distribution happened way back in the day when marvel and dc were super reluctant to do day and date and then dc was like you know what fuck it we're just gonna do day and date see what happens and then physical sales went up somehow it's like somehow palpatine returned it's not that there's somehow there's an explanation you just don't want to admit it um uh, this is me getting at all sorts of bullshit with mandalorian and, and tv shows so just ignore me but um still uh i i think that dc and marvel need to just give up on this thing and recognize that i think local comic book shops probably wouldn't even be mad about this because they'd more than likely see other sales go up which no, they're not going to be mad. Single issue sales are not the end of the world. And if a comic book shop is is dependent solely on single issue sales, then they don't understand what this market actually is. And I'm going to say that is like the hottest of takes in comic book shops. Call me. Let's talk about it. But like, I feel like 
I don't know. There's 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 something wrong in comic book sales, and it just we just need to move past it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I do think it would be a bigger problem for local comic shops. So I think okay. that you can get your trades at your Barnes and Nobles at any bookstore, sure. but local comic shops are the only places you can get single issues these days. And people coming in to get their single issues and then buying something else are probably where a lot of that money comes from. Sure. Let me let me tell you how Mike's scenario would would work out in my head because what's happening now is that a few months ago I read this new Flash story, the one minute war thing that's going on. I'm not pulling the Flash, but because it was on the app, I read the first and second issues, and I was like, oh, this is good. I need to pick it up physically. So then I went to my shop, and not only did I buy the last two issues that I read because I already read them, I already knew they were good comics. Uh, I also bought the next one and now I pull that story. So mm-hmm. the, the other advantage that these shops have is people are coming in to already buy a comic book they enjoyed, but mm-hmm. maybe they want a variant cover. Maybe they want just, they want it physically to keep it in their collection. You still have the whole speculator thing of like, Oh, the first appearance of so-and-so or whatever. Sure. Uh, and that's never going to, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Sure. So sure. Like, sure. Yeah. I, it's also never going to pay so off happy. for people, but <laughs> Yeah. It, it pays off for a select handful of people who are managed to get their eBay listings up before other people, but that's about it. Yeah. Hey, when, when that Bad Buddy movie drops, and I'm the one with the two issues with that <laughs> wrestling Spider-Man villain, uh, we'll see who's laughing then, Brian. Sure, sure. All right? But yeah, I don't think those things are going to wait. Like, there's there's no way. And then people want to go read collections, and there's also, like, a community at comic shops that i'm very lucky to have good shops around uh i know there's some good shops in, in you guys' area as well so like sure yeah there's there's that part of it where you know it's the same with we i listened to a, a podcast about like you know tabletop and stuff which is the same like yeah you can play online a lot of these games but like you want to physically be there with with people and stuff so i don't know i don't think that'll ever fully go away but people do need to embrace like some kind of balance on it sure but i i yeah I mean, we can we could go back and forth on this forever. I, I appreciate that perspective because in my mind, do the speculators and the the you know 40, 50, 60,000 people buying single issues outweigh what I literally was quoted earlier today um, at Barnes and Noble. So I went to a Barnes and Noble today because I, I was out and about and um, I was talking to someone who was working there because I was like, oh my God, like this is the one of the most well-stocked well-organized manga comic criterion collection vinyl sections I've ever seen at a Barnes and Noble, right? And I was like, this is really, really well done. And she's like, oh, sorry, our stock's actually really low because we're doing a buy one, get one free sale this weekend. And I was like, if this is your stock low, this place is unbelievably stocked and well-packed with comics and stuff. Um, And she said, oh, yeah, we do 25% of our sales in this section alone. And she pointed at the manga section. And I was like, Holy smokes. So I guess what I'm getting at is like people have been reading scanlations and they've been reading single issue and chapters, right? Viz allows all this stuff online. And I mean, maybe for a bunch of other publishers, which is maybe a primary sale beyond like Jujutsu Kaisen and My Hero Academia and One Piece and stuff. Um, but they're they don't do like a single chapter sales and or or ability to read them. But like nonetheless, people are still going in to buy these collected editions when they could have been just reading them on for you know for free. There is like a 
I want to own all of this and having these single things is like more of a burden. Like you just said it, like, I don't want to have to dig through my collection, but you also want to own it. And I understand like the prestige there because I bought a copy of Blue Book chapter one and I didn't even need to buy that, but I was at the shop and I saw it, right? But guess what I showed up to pick up there? My trades, because I know, and again, this is an interesting thing. You like have to know that there's a shop that'll do that stuff. But I showed up to pick up all my trades, happened to grab that single issue, is, is does the other uh, the, the opposite happen more often? I don't know. Um, again, this is why I think we could go back and forth on that. But regardless, what I'm saying is manga is the future. We got to give up on these Western comics things that just doesn't matter anymore. Um, the, if the pandemic had proved anything, it's that there are so many fucking manga fa- fans out there. Um, comics don't even matter. Western comics just don't even matter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, cut that Xander, please. We're not leaving that. <laughs> Join us next week when we talk about whether Superman could beat Goku in a fight. Right, right. I love it. Um, Hulk versus Superman versus Goku. Uh, we're gonna have Danny, Paul, uh, and Nick, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch it happen. Um, but anyways, I think that's maybe that's a good place to wrap up before we actually have that discussion because now I'm starting to think. Um, <laughs> next, <laughs> all, I could, think, all I could hole. think of when you name when you name their roster, I was like, no, I think Saitama's got this. Like that's all I was thinking in my one head. One Punch so. Man cannot be factored in. We cannot factor in One Punch Man. It does not count. Um, all of those other characters have lost and also won. Um, we'll, we'll come up with a rubric for next week. I'd be curious to hear anyone out there's thoughts. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, next week's show is going to be a very interesting one because it's me, Renee, and Kara. And Kara came to us a while ago and said, hey, Mike and Renee, do this thing. Watch episode one and episode 116 and 117 of Riverdale, and we're going to talk about it. And I was like, what? And she said, just show up. And I said, you can't tell me what to do. This is my show, and it's happening next week. I was going to say, Mike, the most surprising thing about all that is that there's an episode 116 and 117 of that TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because why? I, I don't understand it. Danny, it's get all this and more next week on I Read Comic Books, so make sure you show up. Make sure you've watched those episodes because we're going to be spoiling the heck out of them and probably talking about Archie Comics. Kara has this magical ability to connect episodes of Riverdale back to actual Archie canon. I don't know where she has the space in her head for it, but get ready for that. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Discord. Danny and, and Renee and Kate and I have been... Um, trying to do a lot mostly Danny Renee and Kate have been doing a lot with our TikTok and our and our YouTube and stuff so thank you guys for doing that it's been amazing um, you can always support us on Patreon to get access to shows like A Better Batmobile season 2 is coming really soon IRCB Movie Club where Paul Bryan and I sit down and talk about movies every week or every every quarter not every week geez oh um, and a bunch of other sh- exclusive shows that are just on Patreon that's at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music if you're listening to this after we've been on Twitch uh, Xander walks a among us delivering coincidences that will delight and astound you i want to say thank you to brian and danny for being on this episode thank you to everyone out there watching live on twitch you are fantastic wonderful human beings and if you got this far in the episode listening after we were on twitch thank you so much uh we appreciate you until next time comics are good and so are you 